If you would open up your Bibles with me to John chapter 14. Father, may you have your way with us as we wait on you. We come here with no preconceived ideas or thoughts of what you want to do inside our life. We only just come. Lord, we are coming as vessels wanting to be molded and directed in your hand. And for some of us, we're afraid. We're not certain what you're going to be doing with us in the future. We haven't particularly cared for the past. But we're looking to you to do what only you can do inside our life. For some, we need you desperately in our marriage, in our home, in our children. So God, do what only you can do here today. And may we find ourselves honest and true before you. We haven't come here to play a game or to do some kind of religious act. We simply this morning want to lay down our life. There's a living sacrifice that you would be glorified in. Thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Jesus gathered his disciples together in John. And as he gathers them together, can you imagine with me for a moment that you're hanging out with Jesus? And anytime he says, hey, let's get together, it's something kind of exciting. It's something that all of a sudden the Pharisee might get corrected, and you love that. I mean, it's such a cool thing to see a religious leader get corrected by Jesus. For they always have so much to say, but in the direction of Christ, they seem to have their words silenced. This man, Jesus, seems to have everything that we need. Every time we're hungry, there's provision. Every time that we're afraid, he seems to calm the situation. This has been an incredible venture. It's uh, this venture of faith. I'm glad I enlisted. And every time he would call a meeting, it was always something very exciting. And this time, I'm sure ready anticipation was inside the disciples' heart as he called this meeting and he says to his disciples, he says, hey, listen, little children, and I'm starting at, uh, well, I guess chapter 13, I'm going to start, verse uh, 33. And he says, "Uh, little children, I shall be with you a little while longer. You will seek me, and as I said to the Jews where I'm going, you cannot come. So now I say it to you. Well, wait, wait, wait a minute, Jesus. I was there when you said it to the Jews, and you said it to the Jews because they're not like us. And now you're saying it to us? What, what do you mean? I, when you said it to the Jews, I realized they're Jews, so where we're going, they can't come. But now you're saying the very same thing to me? Uh, and they found themselves in a place of real, real worry and concern and uncertainty of what the future was going to hold 
And for some of us, we might have already faced that. Some, some of us, we face that on a yearly base or maybe a weekly base. I, I'm not sure what God is doing. I'm not sure uh, what he has directed inside my life. I, I hear from him, but I hear in part. Can I see a show of hands? How, how many of you have ever heard from the Lord, but it's only in part? Now, listen, I've been trying to talk to him about that and been asking him to speak a little more in, you know, uh, a clearer. And, and I come to realize that my ways are not his ways. And his ways are incredible that causes a work inside of me to seek him like I would never seek anyone in my life. That literally, as he speaks in part, it should cause a hunger inside our life that simply says, what do you mean by that? I, I love that uh, the conversations I've had before I even came up here, there was uh, some of you guys that I've talked to, there's a real hunger for the word of God. I remember when I first came to know the Lord, and, and I, I guess it was some 36 years ago that uh, uh, I've been a pastor behind a pulpit 34 years. And when I first came to know the Lord, there was so much that I, I would read a sentence and go, what, do you, what does he mean? And it was to cause a hunger to find out what do you mean by what you just said? Am I this person that is included or am I this person who's excluded? For the word of God falls on the just and the unjust alike. And today we're going to be here in a conference. You're going to take all day. And you know, we can all be hearers of the word of God. And there's going to be good men that have sold their life out for the call of God. And they're going to be teaching us. And, and we can all be these individuals who either we are vessels of honor or we are vessels of dishonor. And we can all hear the same word and have the same direction. But what we do with it is going to be purely up to you. For the rain falls on the just and the unjust alike. And we, as the disciples, are, I'm sure, very, very concerned. He said the same thing to the Jews that he's now saying to us, and where I'm going, you cannot come. That's a scary thing. Have you ever experienced a loss? Have you ever had something inside your hand that all of a sudden you think is slipping away? It's a very, very scary thing. It was two years ago. I'm doing a study for a Sunday morning. It's a Saturday morning, actually. I, I had just prayed with my wife, and she was off to go do something, and we kissed, and off she drove, and I'm glad that happened. All of a sudden, I started getting a pain in my chest. It wasn't because of the kiss, but I got a pain in my chest, and I realized, oh, my arm's going numb, and all of a sudden, I broke out in complete sweats, and I realized I'm having a heart attack. Now, I don't drink. I don't smoke. I'm pretty well fit. My cholesterol is none. And I realized I'm having a heart attack. So I went to lay down and God put on my heart. If you lay here, you will not get up. I called my wife and I said, honey, you better turn around. Where are you? I'm having a heart attack. She said, Jim, you're... see, I'm the kind of guy that if I have a, a, a cold, I have a brain tumor. <laughs> she said, honey, just lay down. No, 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 honey, you got to get here. I'm having a heart attack. Well, I know the hospital is right down the street from us, so she got there, we went on in, and I had what they called the widowmaker. And the doc says to me, he says, listen, surgeon needs to be here, and he needs to be here in 30 minutes. If he's not here in 30 minutes, you're not going to make it. Now, they're massaging my heart, and one of the nurses said to my wife, is there children? You better call your children. My kids came in. And now we're saying goodbye, and now all of a sudden I'm realizing I'm leaving planet Earth. 
And I literally, I, I, hope, I hope you have this opportunity. I considered where I'm going. Am I this vessel of honor or am I this vessel of dishonor? Because I want to tell you something, it's not what you've done for the Lord, it's who you are in the Lord. And there's a lot of great men, or there's a lot of men that have done a lot of things for the Lord, but their heart is drawn completely far away from him. So in this, I'll tell you the honest little behind the scenes, I, I literally looked and said, like this? I'd always had a fear of death. Not, not a fear of where I'm going, but I, I've been around death enough that, that the process, I, I don't care for. And uh, the process always bothered me, but this process was like so fast. And as I'm laying there, now no body functions are working, and, except for incredible pain. And I know I've got about five minutes left before the surgeon gets here. I, I've said goodbye to my wife and my kids. And I'm talking to God, and I said, like this, really? This is just, this is weird. But what I did before there is I said, Father, forgive me. You, you see, when you're going to meet God, I, I don't care who you are. I, I don't care how, what you've done. When you're going to meet the Lord, and you know you're going to meet the Lord, hey, how many of us want to be honest here today and say, in me really lies no good thing? There's enough of shortcomings that would keep me out of heaven. There's enough bad attitude before a pastor is going to even go teach somewhere that maybe a spat with a wife that is enough to disqualify you from teaching. You go, is that what happened with you guys? No. But in us, there's enough where all of a sudden, if Jesus says where I'm going, you can't go. There's no argument here. Literally, I go, well, no, I, I get it. You see, literally, for many, many years, I realized, you know, heaven is so incredible, I really shouldn't be there. Because I'll mess it up. You see, I was the guy who, how much time do we have? <laughs> okay, a few minutes, okay. I was the guy when I came to know the Lord some 30 years ago. I got so excited about this new relationship with Jesus Christ that I, I couldn't believe it, you see. And I sat inside the Calvary Chapel, and I got so amazed in Scripture, and I couldn't read the Bible yet. And so I would sit there, and I would listen to him, and I was being taught the Word of God. And it was so amazing to me that I would get so into it that I would take out a pe- my cigarettes, and I would light a cigarette, and I would sit there and start smoking, and I would put the ashes on my, on my pant leg. And, and I did this for weeks. And the pastor finally came up to me. He goes, hey, Jim, um, could you not smoke during uh, church service? <laughs> and I couldn't believe it. took After a while, I couldn't believe it. it took him weeks to ask me not to smoke. I mean, how many of us pastors would have thrown him out, you know, within the first light? For weeks, I sat there, man, this is good. <laughs> I don't know why I shared that, but anyways. <laughs> So if you got to light up, okay, all right. I got to tell you this cute story. I, I met a guy that he was smoking, and I come walking down, and here's Pastor Jim come to say hi. And I saw him a ways back, and, and he got nervous, so he took his cigarette, and he put it in his pocket, and he cupped it, and he had it in his pocket. So I'm, I'm 
goofy enough, I, I'm going to have a long conversation now with them <laughs> instead of, you know, so, hey, listen, listen. Uh, we have enough things in our life, if we're honest, that the Lord, and here's the cool thing, he who begun the good work in you will complete the good work in you. There's sometimes we feel disqualified because purely we look at ourselves not as Christ sees us. He sees us finished. If you're here today and you, you really know inside you there's a lot undone, he who begun the good work in you will complete the good work in you. So many of us are living testimony of that. So he says, a new commandment I give to you, verse 34, that you love one another as I have loved you and also love one another. By this you will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. This has also disqualified me. So I, you can't come, you can't go, and now here's a commandment, and this is how you're going to show you're my disciples by your love one for another. Now remember he said this to men. Oh, first time I came to a Calvary chapel, the pastor said, could you stand up and say hello to one another? And this guy, I'm a small guy. If you see me stand next to Rob, most people are bigger than me. And when somebody hugs me, my face goes in their pit. <laughs> it's, not, it's not fun for us. If you're a short guy, it's not fun. And, and so when I was younger, people would actually pick me up and sway me. That's not cute. Now, now, having a violent background, that's not good to do. So when they would say, stand up and say hello to one another, the first time, a guy hugged me. Oh, oh. I'm in a, one of those places. I was so worried the next Sunday when he said about ready to stand up and say hello, I ran out. I stood at the drinking fountain. Are they done yet? Love one another? How do we do this? If this is a qualification that either qualifies me or disqualifies me as a guy, love one another? Have you seen Peter? He's not that loving. And what happens even in a setting like this? We get challenged inside our heart that we go, how do I sit down next to somebody I don't know? Hey, how are you? Uh, what do I say? Uh, you know, all of these confusing things. And this is what was so cool. See, when I came to the Lord, Lord, he was doing a work inside my heart, and then he called me to be a pastor. And, and when he called me to be a pastor, it was a funny thing. I said, well, God, you know what? Okay, I'll go start a church. But, you know, I can't read the Bible yet. And I literally couldn't read. And God said, okay, but I'll teach you to read. And, and he, he taught me to read within about six-month period of time. It was an incredible thing. And I said, and God, there's another problem. I hate people. And I literally hated people. And he says, that's all right. I, I love people, and I'll teach you to love. Okay. And what he was looking for is he wasn't looking for somebody who had it all together. You see, that was the Pharisees. 
That was the Pharisees that would, would check off all the different little marks and say, I did this today and I did this today. The uniqueness of a Calvary Chapel, the uniqueness of real Christians that you're finding in a place like this is it's not a checklist. It's literally saying, Lord, I'm undone. And, and, and not wanting to stay in our undoneness, if that's a word, and not wanting to stay where we find ourselves in those awkward places. But Lord, if you are loved, then teach me to love. And this day, as the guys talk, we're going to be challenged with things that they're going to say that simply, well, wait a minute, I'm not as loving as I say I am or should be. And, and God, I need more of your ability. I need more of your strength. I need more of my wife used to say this to me. Jim, could you stop doing this? And I don't know if you ever had a wife say that to you. Like, you know, I know you find it funny, but could you stop it embarrasses me or whatever it is. And I would always just say, well, that's me. I talked to a gentleman one day and I said, you know, you're kind of crude. He says, I'm Italian. <laughs> well, wait a minute. That doesn't give you a qualification to be crude. Literally, we have to look at ourselves at a conference like this, look at ourselves before the Lord. And when he says, you'll prove to be my disciples by your love, if you're an unloving person, that, that doesn't give you a right to go, well, well you know, that's just who I... No, 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 no. He says, listen... This is what I'm able to do. His commands or his ability to do something inside our life radically different than who we are and what we've ever thought we could be. So we would find ourselves a year from now, three months from now, even at the end of the day, walking out of here and saying, Lord, I'm so different than when I walked in. And guys, I want to encourage you that the Lord can change you overnight. Whatever that is that's holding you back, whatever that is that is bind you, we hear of these individuals that, that are walked with God and all of a sudden they have these secrets and these hidden things and, and sooner or later it gets revealed and everything gets destroyed around them and they've had opportunities just like today we have opportunities to get real before the Lord and confess our sins. He is faithful and just to, to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. There's no reason today for any of us to leave here still undone. For Jesus hung on the cross and he said the work was finished. And what I come to realize when he said the work was finished, he was talking about you and he was talking about me, that he who begun the good work in you and he who begun the good work in me has finished that work on the cross before I was ever even born. Peter says, where are you going? Peter, have you not been listening for the last three and a half years when I'm talking about I'm the son of God? Peter, where are you going? Um, I'll follow you. As a matter of fact, I'll lay down my life for you. And Jesus, lets, I'm going to paraphrase. He goes, listen, before the rooster crows, you're going to deny me. How would you like to be Peter at that conversation? You decide, you know, I'll ask an intelligent question. You come to find out it's not all that intelligent after all. Uh, that was Peter. That's me. And then he says, let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Also believe in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. That where I am, you may be also. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. And Thomas said, Lord, we do not know where you are going, and how can we know the way? Listen, 
God, I don't know what you're doing. Have you ever been there? I don't know what you're doing. And Jesus, this was the introduction to what I want to share. (laughs) Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one goes to the Father except for through me. That's my topic. And uh, today I, I, I really want to cover the way and the truth. And I guess I'm going to be sharing again and I'd like to cover the life. The Bible says there are vessels of honor and dishonor. Romans, 2 Timothy. When God says he's the way, what he's letting us know is our ways are not his ways. That he has a way that's higher than our ways. That he has a way that, to do things that, well, the Bible says there's a way that seems right to man, but the end of that is destruction. Paul the Apostle thought he was serving the Lord in, in Acts chapter 9. You can read for yourself later. He, the Bible says he was on the way. And as he was on the way, and some translation would say on the road to Damascus or on the way to Damascus, He had all authority from all the religious leaders to go persecute those of the way. And the early church was known as the way. So they realized that this one conversation so rocked them when Jesus says, I am the way, that they named the whole movement after this statement that he is the way. So therefore, we have to be on his way. On the way that Jesus goes, on the style that Jesus holds, on the, on the way that Jesus does things is the way that we should be walking. And that means that I can simply ask this. I shared this at, the, uh, at, at one of the churches a while ago that we really have it kind of easy as Christians to just simply say, Lord, am I pleasing you? Is my life pleasing to you? Not, not did I do that well? Are you pleased? And you know, the kind of a cool thing is I'm able to uh, hang out with Rob and his family and Rebecca and the kids. And as I said, I observe things. And I'm not the sharpest tool in the toolbox, but, but I can observe things. And as I observe things, I, I watch their children and I see how their children are just responding so incredible to what the parents are doing. And, 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 and I see how the parents see the children function and, the, and, and, and you can see this glow in the parents' eyes that they just go, oh, oh, you're such a blessing. It, it, and it's not that a child ever does everything right, but it's, it's that they're trying and there's an attempt and that there's, you know, he's just doing it my way. He's doing it the way of God. He's doing it, he's trying, he's accomplishing. And as I watch Rob and Rebecca with all their kids in different age groups, they don't hold the same expectation on each child, but each child is is on this certain discipleship plan that is held by the, the parents. And so too, each one of us, remember he said, little children, we're on this discipleship plan. And don't try to live in somebody else's discipleship plan. You live in your plan that God has for your life as you're walking 
in his way. And it's not a way that seems right to you. It's a way that seems right to him. One of the grieving parts of ministry is for years ago, I want to just share something with you. Years ago, you would get a, 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 somebody would get a hold of you and say, I have a question. You would open up your Bible and you'd say, here's the answer. They would say, oh, thank you. And they'd go their way and they would try to live out what the word of God says. It, it, incredible. Today, most of the time, yeah, I have a question. You open up your Bible. This is what God says. And they want to argue. Or convince you to convince them to do what they know they should do and what God has already told them to do. Now, pastor, convince me to do it. Well, well, see, there's a struggle there that they're trying to get God to walk in their way. And we live in a world today that churches are becoming fuller and fuller of individuals looking and convincing the masses and convincing the people that God wants to walk the way of humans. That it couldn't be further from the truth. He wants human beings to live in their humanity with godly behavior and characteristics. That the spirit of God would so shine on lives of people that they would see your good works and glorify God who is in heaven. It's about walking with Jesus and walking with God his way. And if you think of with me, it's an amazing thing what happened way back in the garden. As soon as mankind sinned, it separated man from walking God's way. And this has been the struggle ever since. That all God has ever wanted to do is walk in the coolness of the day with man. Fellowship. That's all he ever did. So it was like show up in the morning. Hey, Adam, how are you? Hey, Eve, how are you? And just walk and talk and enjoy the day. Be fruitful, multiply, have dominion, live life, enjoy life, learn God, and sin separated that. And that's all God's doing still today. They say, come walk with me in the coolness of the day. I challenge myself. I say I'm a Christian. I say I walk with God today. At the end of the day, I say, what did I learn of God? What did he teach me? I know if I hung out with any one of you, and I hung out with you during the day, I would learn something. I would learn something about you. I would learn something about your personality. I'd learn something about, and we could do this year upon year upon year, and I'd always learn you. And I have to be honest, there's days that I walk away, I say, you know, I didn't learn anything, and I just hung out with the creator of the universe. And I didn't learn a thing. Well, I have to be honest, I didn't walk in his way. I have to really come to the place of literally saying, you know what, what we're looking at today is the man God uses. Well, I'm going to make it really, really simple in, in, in our studies, and I, I'm not even sure what the other guys are teaching, as, as Pastor Rob was saying, that we really haven't talked about it. And, uh, but one thing I know is it's going to be individuals who hung out with God. That's who God uses. It, 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 it's kind of like... Hang out with me, and I'll, I'll say, hey, can you go do this? Or, hey, you want to go do this? And that's the same thing with, with walking with God. God just goes, hey, you want to do this? I, I can't do it. He goes, I know, but I'll send you. Okay, let's go. Jim, teach the Bible. I can't read it. Teach it anyways. Okay. Amazing thing. My first Bible study, 
was one that I sat in Las Vegas and I knew how to read my name, James. So I went to Book of James. And as I just opened the Bible, there was a James, and I went to an area that said, be patient for the coming of the Lord. As a farmer waits for the harvest. Now that took about, oh, five, six minutes for me to read it. And I started by this, B, I could read B, and I would try to sound it out. Now, you have to understand, we had a house that was packed with people. And that's a Bible study. And I was so embarrassed. And I was so beside myself. But I was so impressed with what God did. I had individuals who just sat there and just, just people were just, just in love with the Lord. And they sat there and they read that verse. They go, man, do you know what that means? I go, I have no clue what that means. But my life has been full of be patient for the coming of the Lord. First verse I ever read. And then we would go out on the streets of Vegas and we would say, see what God would want to do. And I'd say to the Bible study, and it ended up there was a house full of people. Ended up having pastors and stuff just sit there and see if Jim could read. And we'd read a verse and I'd say, you want to go do it? And see, remember, I'm the guy who's smoking a cigarette in church. I said, you want to go do it? I met a guy one day just because God sent, just because he said go. I, I got no qualification. I, I got nothing that I just got, you know what, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll try that. And, and so we went out in Las Vegas, and a guy jumps out in the streets in, in, in front of a car, and he screams, God, help me. And I'm standing on the side of the road, and God says, go help him. So I meet this guy, and I pull him out of the road, and he's trying to kill himself by jumping in front of cars. And now this is 36 years ago, and and. And, and, and I said, listen, God can help you. He said, yeah, can God do anything with this? And he held up his hands, and his hands were just tangled mess. And as I started talking to him, he had such a drug uh, problem that what he had, the only thing he had in his life was a pair of cutters. And he went to a joint on his fingers, and he would cut off his finger, and he would pick it up, and he'd go to the hospital, and they would try to attach it, and they would give him enough drugs to take away the pain. And when he was out of those drugs, he went to the next joint of his finger and cut it off. By the time he was jumping in front of the car, he had went to every joint on his hands, and they were all tangled up, and he couldn't use the pliers anymore, the cutters, and he finally at his bottom and he says God help me the guy says okay Jim uh, be patient I don't know what to do here and some of you guys right here you're going you know what I got a, I got a mountain of problems in front of me and I don't know what to do here I want to tell you the answer is Jesus Christ and it's not a program. It's nothing we can put down. It's nothing we, we can say, hang out with the Lord. He won't disappoint you. So as I said to this guy, I said, listen, oh Lord, this, will you ask him inside your life? So he prayed and asked him inside his life. And to this day, and maybe he passed on by now, but I, I could say this five years ago, he was down at Teen Challenge standing in front of kids saying, if God could do something with these, he can do something with your life. And he would show his hands. And these kids are going, I don't know the story. Each one of us probably have an incredible story. 
And Jesus would say, listen, listen. Let not your heart be troubled. Believe in me. I am the way. It's not the way you think. It's not the the profile of building a church. It's not the profile of, oh, what, what do I do next? I was talking to a gentleman, a delightful guy, and, and he says, how do you get in the ministry? I went, I don't know. I called one day and said, God put on my heart to, to do a church in, in Michigan called Calvary Chapel. And, uh, and a Costa Mesa said, okay, go. Really? And we went out and did it. And I think we, we've done now five churches or so. And now we're moved to Georgia, and I just handed over a ministry in, in Palm Beach, the one that Rob was a part of, and just handed a ministry over, healthy ministry, and, and God put on my heart, hey, you're going to Georgia. So now we're in Georgia. I'm in a cabin in the woods. God, what are you doing? Well, you're going to open a Bible study. God, I can't read. Oh, why do we go through these things so that we can fall back on these things? Have you ever read your Bible where all of a sudden the men of God would build an altar? They would build a little monument. And as they passed that way, every time God did something, they made a little monument. And as they passed that way, they could remember what God has already done. And that was meant to help them in the future to say, you know what? God has always been faithful and his ways are not my ways and his ways are beyond my ways. So I lean no longer on my own understanding, but every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And here's kind of the cool thing. We were just out in another state and trying to help somebody in their, in their marriage. After 27 years, the wife decides, I'm, I'm going somewhere else. And this was a Christian family. I'm, I'm going somewhere else. And, and all we have to give them is the word of God. It's all we have. The heavens and the earth are going to pass away. You know that. But not one single word of his will fail. I, I had a good man say to me one day, he goes, you know, Jim, what's so cool about us as Christians is we get to deal with two things that will go on into eternity. And that is the word of God and the soul of man. And nothing else goes into eternity. And I started thinking of that. I thought, man, you know what? All the work that I've done, all the secular work, all the buildings I've built, all of the construction, all of this, it all burns. It all falls apart. It all cracks. And you know how many people are sacrificing their family and their children and all that over what they do instead of doing the way of God? Now, I, I, I would be the first one to say, hey, work us on to the Lord. I've always been a working pastor by choice. And, and simply so that I could be in with talking to people and that I could have different things without being a burden to the church or having the church pay for it. It literally was something that was put on my heart many, many years ago, and I've held to that. But, but simply, it's not, work is not where it's at. Where it's at is the way of Jesus in my work. I've had the privilege of meeting with individuals who go, hey, we're starting a, a, a business. Will you pray for it and bless it? I said, yeah, bring in your books. We're going to go through it. Bring in how you've set it up. I want to see how your board is or whatever. You, and then, then we'll pray. And they go, Why? Well, a lot of times we set up it, it crooked. We make bad deals, and then we want God to bless it. 
Well, let's see how it's gone so far. And I've had good men that go, you know what, I'm going to start over. I have to change the partner I have. Not supposed to be unequally yoked together. And then all of a sudden we see businesses soar. And we see something that now all of a sudden gives God glory. Guys, it's all a reflection of us if we're going to walk his way. Our marriage is going to be radically changed if we'll do it his way. Our kids, raising kids are incredible. I don't know how many of you are dads. But I tell you what, I, I, I'm incredibly blessed. I, I said to Rob today, I look at his kids and, man, they're on the way. They're on the right way. And I, had, I have three daughters and they have actually married all pastors. And that's a rarity to have children raised in the ministry that then say, I want to continue doing the same thing. And they're all pastors, and they love the ministry, and, 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 and it, it's an incredible thing. It, it, it's, it's a testimony for doing it God's way. And it was always offensive. Somebody would say to me, well, you know what? You got good kids. Yeah, that's what we did. We laid there when she was pregnant and said, God, could you send us the good ones? We don't want the, you know, the bad ones. Could you send us the good one? And we need three of them, all girls. No. It's through fear and trembling. It's by seeking the Lord and saying, God, how do you do this? Each one is different. Each one's unique. How do you do it? You know what it's called? It's called intimacy with God. And it's called intimacy with God as we meet in this place and you don't worry about the person next to you. You say, God, how do you want to do my life? Because your life is uniquely different than the person next to you. And each one of us can share incredible stories on what we've done last year if you walked with the Lord. And incredible successes, but also incredible failures. Incredible failures. I'm a pastor of a church. I'm a small guy, and I told you earlier about somebody who would always hug me and swing me. And I've had a broken back for the last 30 years. I finally had surgery. God said, I'll take care of it. Incredible. They thought I had spinal cancer because there was bone fragments all around my back. And they finally said, look, you're severing your spinal cord. So I went and had surgery a couple years ago. But he would hold it together for years. And it was his little way, just, just like dislocate me. And, and I'd go, oh, God, help me. And he'd put me back together. It was like Humpty Dumpty. Hey, Jim's getting out of line. You know, throw me back in. I'm not joking. Um, so this one of my deacons, he uh, never became an elder, but uh, one of my deacons, he would always grab me, and I'd say, don't do that. So one morning, I'm ready to teach. He comes up, he grabs me, and I just, I, I have a violent background, and I turn around, and I hit him, and I knocked him out. And uh, if you're starting a church, don't start that way. It, it, it doesn't, doesn't help you. And he's laying there, and you, you ought to heard people I'd pick him up. Man, you know, I told you, don't do that. And, you know, and uh, the whispering, pastor's in a bad mood today. Don't talk to him. <laughs> I was on staff at Fort Lauderdale. The guy's talking to me. Uh, and it just reminded me of a clown. He was, he was saying such weird, perverse things. 
So I reached on over and I honked his nose as he was talking. And he punched me. And I laughed. Um, got a call into the senior pastor's office. He said, I understand you just, you honked someone's nose. <laughs> I, I didn't punch him. He said, Jim, you can't honk people's noses. It just, it, that can't happen. That's not his way. Jesus doesn't honk noses. But it's so humorous to honk somebody's nose. Don't do it. But I didn't hit him. I, I, I know, you did that 30 years ago, and now you're honking noses. Okay, There's still a work that needs to be done. But, but, but I'm not this. Have you ever used that excuse? But look what I used to do. And I I share humorous stories. They're real stories. They're embarrassing stories, especially if you're my wife and and people around me. But they're real stories of God saying, no, 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 don't do that. Ooh, he did it. Okay, don't do that. Don't do that. And God is faithful to continue to work with us if we will simply say, Lord, our next next part, oh, I got to go move fast. I got two minutes to do this. If we'll live in truth. If we'll live truthful, guys, and I'll close with this, you can't fool God. Jesus says, I'm the way. You're going to have to do it my way. You want to be somebody that God uses? Remember, he will use vessels of dishonor. And the end is destruction. And individuals go, look, I'm doing it my way. Look how God is blessing. No, no, no. God is blessing despite you, but you're a vessel of dishonor, and God's still, but your end is coming. And you don't want to be laying there someday saying, like this, God, I'm coming to see you. Am I okay with you? And God say, go away. I've never known you. You who have practiced iniquity. In other words, you didn't care about my way, and you weren't truthful along the way. But you kept deceiving yourself, saying, look at the fruit of what's being produced, but inside of you have been dead men's bones. You haven't been truthful about where it really matters inside the heart before you and God. It's literally in the secret places it's in the place where nobody sees it's it's when you really get shaken up it's like a coke that all of a sudden you pop off the lid and once it's been shaken that's what's really inside and it comes out you go yeah but that only happens when i'm angry no no no, no. it's there It only takes you to get shaken up, and then all of a sudden it's there. It spews out, and those are the times God says, look, look, look. yes, you're doing better, but let's be truthful. You're not done yet. Don't think we've arrived until we see him in glory. And my friend, it's not how we started. Those are cool stories. It's not what we've done in the middle. Those are cool stories. It's where we end up. It's not done until it's done. Until finally we breathe our last and we open up our eyes and we see him. And he says, come. You know what he's going to say? 
it's a weird thing. I, I got a goofy bracelet thing on. I get a delivery one day, and inside the box, there's this, I don't wear stuff. It's this rubber band thing, and it says, faith. And it says, love. And God says, I want you to wear it. Come on. I knew a guy that God said, I want you to wear this button. And it said, I love Jesus. It's this big. <laughs> you know, a big red heart. And I said, Bob, what are you doing? A great name. His name Bob Christian. And I said, Bob, what are you doing? He goes, Jesus told me to wear this. So really, all the years knowing him, there's the button. I said, why do you think that is? He goes, because honestly, I am one of the worst Christians there is. But if they see this button, then all of a sudden i got to live up to it. It's a reminder. Wow. And to me, he was one of the best Christians I've ever met. He says, listen, I want you to wear this. I go, why? He goes, because you, you, you need to be reminded. It's faith. It's love. I don't have faith. I don't have much of it. I got to keep on going to him who has it. I don't have love. I got to keep on going to him who has it. That's what God puts on our heart. Well, let me finish the sentence. The words we're going to hear is come good and faithful servant. Faithful. It doesn't say come good and good teacher, come good and good this. It just come good and faithful. He gave you something to do and you said, okay, and I'll do it your way. And you were just faithful. And that's all he requires of us, come good and faithful. I know, but what, 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 can I do it? No, his way is faith. And his way of faith, it's, it's when I was a heathen dog pig, my dad taught me a verse. I don't know why. It was Romans 10, 17. I'll never forget it. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So I don't have faith. I, well, you know how you get faith? By the word of God. Oh, okay, then I need to be a reader of God's word. But I can't read. God will teach you. You see, it's all this circle of, of all the excuses get laid away when all of a sudden we say, look, I do want to be a man who God uses. I do want to be somebody that literally says, God, uh, I'll no longer uh, play, a, play a lie. I'll no longer hide. I, I, you know, it, it's kind of where Psalmist says, you know, we, we sing this, search me, O Lord, and see if you have, it can find an evil way in me. And the Lord searches us and he says, yeah, I do. And we go, okay, thanks for the information. That's not truth. That's just the beginning. Yes, Lord, you see that I'm a man, that I'm undone. And I live among a people that are undone. And Isaiah then would say, touch me, Lord. And he took a coal from the altar and he burnt his lips. And then Isaiah said, send me. And he was able to be included in this incredible conversation between the Lord God and the Lord Jesus. 
And, they say, and the Bible says that God looks for a vessel willing to be used. But I believe that God looks for a vessel, the vessels of honor. Oh, there's plenty of vessels of dishonor. But the vessels of honor that would simply say, I don't know, but you know what? I'm really trying to lean not on my own understanding, but every word that proceeds from the mouth of God to do it God's way for his glory. And I'm just trying to be truthful along the way. And when God shows me something, I hit my knees. And I say, Lord, cleanse me. Father, we thank you. We thank you that you give us your word, that we could take your word and learn of your ways and have an interaction with you. We, Lord, we don't want to have an interaction with the Bible. We, we, we love your word, your written word, but Lord, we want to have an interaction with you. The living word, the, the breathing word that, that knows us intimately and knows our, our, our secret places. Knows our dreams and our ideas. And Lord, you called us and you chose us. So it isn't that you called us and chose us for, for, for children of wrath. But Lord, that you say all things were created by you and for you. And for your good pleasure they exist. And Lord, so we know that you desire to just walk with us during the coolness of the day. Would you please, this day... Give us ears to hear what your spirit would say to each one of us and the diligence to repent if repentance is needed, to confess if confession is needed, Lord, to change if change is needed, to allow you to have a greater place in our lives. We thank you for today. We thank you for your sacrifice. We thank you for what is yet going to take place in us. We trust you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.